0: What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we have been talking about the Reds farm system. It's a 2019 look back on how all of the minor leagues have been doing for the Reds and there's no better person to do that with than the man who is the master of the knowledge of the Reds minor league farm system and that is Doug Gray. Doug it's Wednesday. How is Wednesday for you?
1: It's not too bad. It's not too bad.
0: It's hump day and we're talking about the single A ball clubs both the high A and the low A ball clubs today taking a look at Daytona and Dayton, which I always thought was funny that that's how that worked out for low A and high A. But anyway, we're going to look into that starting with the Daytona Tortugas, the Tortugas. Uh, well, it wasn't too bad of a year.
1: It, it wasn't. They, they had a winning record in the first half. They had a losing record in the second half. Um, you know, they, they had the, the, Final series of their year wiped out by a hurricane. Uh, there was a very small chance they could have qualified for the playoffs had that series gone through, uh, but it did not. So they did not make the playoffs this year. Um, solid year overall, but nothing that really stood out from a, a team standpoint. Um, there were some players of intrigue on the roster, though.
0: Yes, we definitely want to jump into that because we are talking about some guys who were playing and killing it in dayton and they've taken the next step let's dive into those right now who was the most interesting tortuga for you
1: well it was actually a guy who didn't break in dayton or in dayton last year uh jose garcia shortstop they they signed him for five million dollars a couple of years ago out of cuba and you know he had a, a shoulder surgery last year or i guess before last season um, and he, he just he didn't respond uh, once he arrived in Dayton last year. Now it's interesting because I was out in spring training and he was clearly the best player on the field while I was out there. Uh, I mean it was there, there was no question in my mind when he was on the field he was the best player on the field every time he was out there. Um, I was not the only one that had that opinion. I heard that from several other people who were out there, including some people that were within the Reds organization. And then he went out and played in Dayton and he just he did not play well last year. Uh, he improved every month of the season by OPS, but I, I'm i coming off the top of my head here. I don't think he had a single month where his OPS was over 700 either. Um, now, this year, he raked. Now, there's going to be a caveat here, so pay attention. He hit 280 with a 343 on-base percentage and a 436 slugging percentage. That's a 779 OPS. And I know what you're thinking. Doug, you just said he raked. Yes, I did. And 779 doesn't sound like it. But the league average OPS is 660. So he was 119 points above the league average. So we definitely need to kind of consider what's going on there. The Florida State League is a very difficult place to hit for any kind of power. Um, now, he missed almost all of April. Um, and he still led the league in doubles with 37 of them. He was among the league leaders in both average and slugging percentage. Uh, he stole 15 bases and was only caught twice. He's also a really good defensive shortstop. Um, I, I think that in a, a year where the Reds' farm system overall was down when it comes to prospect performance and guys taking that step forward, uh, he was a clear runaway favorite for a guy who improved the most and improved their stock the most. Um, he's the guy that I saw in spring training two years ago. Who just I mean, talking with people who saw him play this year, I mean he just he looked better than everybody else on the field. And I'm going to say that and mention the fact that Jonathan India, the number five overall pick in the draft in 2017, or I'm sorry, in 2018 was also on that team. And Jose Garcia to, to a man, every person I talked to was clear in a way the better prospect between those two.
0: Nice. Do you think he begins the season next year, still in Daytona or does he make the jump to Chattanooga?
1: Oh, he, he will definitely move up to double a Chattanooga next year. Um, I just, one he he's ready. Two the numbers are there. Uh, three I mean he's just I, I think that as a shortstop alone that would warrant you know giving him a bump up. But when you toss in the fact that he actually performed well too, and he's a shortstop they're they're gonna try and get him to that point where you know they've got a better idea of what's gonna happen for him in say 2021. Uh, Now, you you never know, once you reach double A, if something clicks, you know, you can be in the major leagues rather quickly. Um, But I I definitely wouldn't be counting on him for, you know, the the 2020 season in the major leagues. But I also think he's talented enough that he's a guy that, you know, in the second half, if things go right, you could see him there. Obviously, that all depends on what the Reds do for shortstop in the big league level uh, this offseason. I think that's probably going to be one of the things they are looking at um, upgrading. You know, they've got Freddie Galvez, Jose Iglesias, um, you know iglesias isn't under contract right now but i think that at least some people feel that you know they're gonna at least talk to him about coming back next year um we'll see but i, I think that they're gonna at least look at well i guess given the free agent class you know db gregorius as an option at shortstop but uh the, the trade market's also always open uh and i think that that's one of the positions where the reds could have a clear upgrade possibility um and it's going to be one of the positions I think that they'll target. Um, And so that could always come into play with how they deal with Jose Garcia too. But um, for me, Daytona Tortugas guy, definitely Jose Garcia was the one that really stood out above everybody else.
0: Is it a question that he is the Reds top shortstop prospect?
1: Uh, No. Um, I I think that there's only one other shortstop prospect um, in my personal top 25, uh, Miguel Hernandez, who uh, he was in Daytona this year and, Uh, He he did not hit very well this year. I I think there's a chance that he can hit. But uh, yeah, Jose Garcia is clear in a way the the, the top shortstop prospect, and I I don't think that there's really any sort of discourse that anybody else is really in the conversation
0: with him. There's a couple of position players I also want to take a look at. One of them is just kind of a, a personal thought because I enjoyed watching him play in Dayton last year. And that is Hendrik Clementina. How has he fared in Daytona?
1: I mean, the power is real. So you you always like that. He had 13 doubles and 14 home runs in 91 games. Again, this is a very pitcher friendly league. It's hard to hit for power there. So the power numbers are real. Uh, th- there's two questions with him. One, the plate discipline. He had 19 walks, 92 strikeouts. Uh, that's that's going to be tough to overcome. And you know that's been a problem with him for his entire career. He's Either, whether you want to call it aggressive or he's got pitch recognition issues, uh, whichever one you really want to throw the blame on, uh, he, he's a low on base percentage guy because he doesn't draw walks. Um, now, he is a catcher, sort of. Um, there's, there's a question as to whether he can stick at the position, and he did play a lot of first base this year um, versus you know being a more full-time catcher. Now, if he's going to be a catcher, you can take some time and hope the bat develops a little bit more. Can be a first baseman. I don't know. He had 296 on base percentage this year as a 22 year old. That that doesn't play at first base.
0: No, not at all. That hope he can improve next season. But it was fun to watch him in Dayton. And then the other one that I wanted to ask about it was the guy. And, and there's not like a huge sample size on him in Daytona at least. But Jameson Hanna came over in the trade for Tanner, with Tanner Rourke involved. How has he looked since joining the Reds' system?
1: I mean, he, he played in 18 games. Uh, he hit .224, slugged 299 uh, It's 24 games. I'm not worried about it. I I don't even really care about his numbers with Daytona this year. That said, I think that I'm the lowest guy in the totem pole in regards to where I would put Jamison Hanna in, in the prospect rankings. Um, I I mean, he's, he's probably a top 25 prospect, but I mean, I, I haven't gone through and really – Put in the the time to really break down my top twenty five for the off season yet, but just kind of based on historically where a guy like him would rank, I mean he's a guy who's probably going to be in that twenty to twenty five range. I mean he's not a non prospect, but I he isn't somebody that I'm overly excited about either.
0: He would surprise you if he really blew up.
1: Yes, um, he's. I, I just I, I'm not I'm not sold on the profile. He's he's five foot nine, um, doesn't have much power. I mean, he hit two home runs in 110 games this year. Uh, oh. You know he he's got plenty of speed, but he went eight, he had eight steals and eight caught stealing this year. So he doesn't even use his speed well. I, it, it's just it's it's a weird profile. There's some tools there. Don't get me wrong, but the skills aren't there at all right now. So
0: that's it'd be interesting to see how he develops further. I'm I'm going down the list of pitchers and I know probably the most interesting Tortuga actually finished the year as a lookout and being Packy Naughton. But at the same token, who on this list of pitchers for the Tortugas stood out whose name wasn't Packy? <laughs>
1: that's a that's a tough question. And I, I really think that at that point you kind of have to look at some guys who spent some time relieving. Um, you know, Max roller had a good year as a starter. Um, he made 20 starts, had 26 overall appearances. Uh, you know, he struck out 127 batters, had 29 walks and 117 innings. Uh, I, I don't think he's a top 25 prospect, but he had a very good season. Um, if we're going to talk about guys that I, I think that are prospects, you got to look at the bullpen guys. Uh, Dowry Moreta. Uh, 2.35 ERA and 57 in a third innings, had nine walks and 64 strikeouts. I, I think there's a chance he could be a future major league reliever. Um, you know, you've got Connor Bennett who, you know, he, he split some time this year between Dayton and Daytona, 2.08 ERA and Daytona in 15 games, 25 strikeouts, and 17 in a third innings. Um, yeah, the, Jared Solomon is a guy who, you know, he's got, I think he's probably a, a bullpen guy in the future. He started 15 games um, for for Daytona, but I, I think the the profile is more reliever. I think that he's got a chance to be a future big league reliever. Uh, you know, th- this team really didn't have those big prospecty kind of guys that jumped out at you this year. Um, usually, that's they're, the prospect guys at this level are going to be starters. Um, you know, relief pitchers are, I mean, they're just relief pitchers. A, a bullpen is very good to have. One individual relief pitcher is going to throw you 60 innings in the major leagues. It's not really all that valuable unless you're you know a closer so it's always one of those things where it's tough to rank a bullpen guy very high until they're just dominating double a and triple a because most of those guys aren't going to be more than a sixth or seventh inning reliever
0: anyways so
1: how, how valuable are those 60 innings they might throw one day in the future as a sixth inning guy
0: Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your next live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's KICKOFF in the Vivid Seats app. So there I was, completely comfortable, sitting on the couch, had the Reds game on. It was late in the game, and I was getting hungry, and I remembered... I hadn't gone to the store in a while, and I wasn't about to go to the store to get something that I had to bring back and cook, but I really didn't want to go sit and wait in a drive through line either. That is where Postmates is perfect. Today, you can download the Postmates app. If you have not already done this, I urge you, do it. Download the Postmates app and enter promo code LOCKED. On, you're going to get a hundred dollars in free delivery for your first seven days. Postmates is an amazing delivery service, it's your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery you need all year round. And the best part about it is, you don't even need to know where the restaurant or the store or whatever it is you need. You don't even need to know where that is. You can just download the Postmates app, get on Postmates, whatever you're craving, Postmates will bring it right to you. I've gotten Chipotle, I've gotten Jersey Mike's. You can get the whole spectrum. I mean, if you just want a piece of pie and maybe a cup of coffee, Postmates will bring it right to you and they can deliver to you anytime, day, or night. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Just download the Postmates app and enter promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for your $100 in free delivery credit today. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates. it. So we're moving on to Dayton, and that's a team that I'm thinking a lot of our listeners, or at least a good number of our listeners, have gotten the chance to see they didn't have the greatest of seasons. I know they went through a stretch where scoring runs was a struggle. And um, I got the chance to talk with Tom Nichols, and he had told me that there was a good number of pitchers that they'd gotten from the Frontier League. How would you sum up the Dragons' season?
1: It was not good. Um, they, they went 58-82 and 82 this year. Um, the team OPS was 645. They... They didn't get on base. They struggled to hit for power. Um, they had they had one guy that reached double-digit home runs this year. Um, I mean, it, the the offense it, it really did it, it struggled. Um, you know, pitching-wise, you know they they had some standout performances, but they had a lot of guys that really struggled too. Um, if if we're gonna talk about guys that stood out on you know the position player side of things. Yeah, I, I think that you're going to be looking at a guy like uh, Michael Ciani, who, I mean, offensively he didn't really stick out. I mean, he hit 253 with a 333 on base percentage. And he slugged 339. You know, he he had 10 doubles, six triples, and six home runs in 121 games. Did steal 45 bases. Uh, I think that the thing that with Ciani that sticks out more than anything is, I mean, he's literally a game changer on defense almost every game. It, it just it you know watching. I mean, I probably watched a hundred plus games of the Dayton dragons this year. whether that was in person or we're watching it on the TV package. Um, a week didn't go by where he didn't make two incredible catches. I mean, he, he's a legitimate game changing defensive player in center field. Um, you know, aside from him, I'm not really sure anybody stood out offensively on that or uh, position player wise on this team. And that's not to say that there aren't prospects on this team. You know, we we talked earlier about Miguel Hernandez, the shortstop. You know, he is just twenty years old. He, he showed some things. But overall, you know, he had a six twenty one OPS this year, so you know, you can show those those talents, but if the skill's not there yet, I mean there's what what are you, what are you gonna do? Um, you know, they had a guy like uh, you know, Juan Martinez who you know, he's got really big raw power but he had a 691 OPS this year. he hit 238. you know Mario Baltista is a guy that I really like from a, a tools perspective. He had a 635 OPS this year. you know I mean it, they have guys that have raw ability on that team but they didn't really have anybody who had the skills this year offensively. Uh, you know if we're if we sort the team by OPS, uh, there were two guys who had more than 100 plate appearances who had an OPS over 700 this year on that team. Brian Ray, who was there for 66 games and Pablo Manzanero who was there for 86 games. That's it. Like they, they just, the, the team really struggled offensively throughout the year.
0: Do scouts think that Ciani's hitting tool can improve?
1: Yeah. And and it's not just a hitting tool that they think they can improve. They think there's more power in there too. Um, I'm I'm not entirely certain how much power that I believe he'll hit for. I, I don't think the double digit home runs is out of the question, but I I'd, I'd be surprised if he had more than 15 home runs in any given season. I mean, and that's even if we're talking about the new baseball. Um, but I, I, I think that there's definitely more doubles power in there than the 10 that he hit this year. Uh, one, because he's really fast. So it's really surprising that he only had 10 doubles this year, given his speed. Um, but I, I think there's definitely improvement there in the future for Siani with his bat, or at least the potential for improvement uh, with, with his bat, yes.
0: So you're saying what we have is the Reds' next Corey Patterson. That's what I'm hearing, right? No, he understands, <laughs> the, he understands the strike
1: zone way better than Corey Patterson ever <laughs> imagines he could have.
0: I just wanted to see what your reaction would be there. I, I, I definitely, I, I enjoyed watching him play in the games that I got to go to. Another guy that I enjoyed watching, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but I just think it's hilarious. What about the shortest man in the Reds farm system? I think he's the shortest anyway. But what do you like about Randy Ventura?
1: I mean, he's fast. <laughs> I, I i definitely he he has wheels i'll give him that um but you know he's a guy who hit 234 and slug 264 this year for for dayton <laughs> so i mean again it, there, there 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 are things to like from his athleticism side of things but he didn't hit and i i, I don't want to keep i i feel bad kind of like i'm piling on all of these guys but i mean the the, the numbers are what the numbers are at this point right
0: and, and overall, you know, I, I'm definitely keeping an eye on Siani. I think most guy, most fans and guys and gals know Siani's name, especially he shows up in top ten list. I know that you had him in the top ten, and and guys like that, and I think some cases the top five of the Reds organization. So definitely going to keep an eye on him moving forward.
1: Yeah. Now, if we want to jump over to the pitchers real quick, there were some guys that stood out. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned Connor Bennett earlier, a guy who, for Daytona. You know, he he pitched 33 games for Dayton, he had a 2.27 ERA, struck out 63 guys in 39 and two thirds innings. Um, you know, again, I, I don't think that he's a you know future closer or anything, but I think he's got enough stuff that there could be a major league future there. Um, a guy like Matt Peiditch, I I I'm not really sure he's a major leaguer in the future. But he was very, very good for Dayton this year uh, through 65 innings, 75 strikeouts, 2.22 ERA. Um, obviously, Nick Lodolo, if we were going to count him, he pitched in two games for Dayton. He's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> um, you got to get, like, Connor Curlis, who didn't show up for the Dragons until late May. Uh, you know, he, he had a 3.16 ERA, made 13 starts, four relief appearances. Um, you know, Adrian Rodriguez pitched well. He threw seventy nine in the third innings, had a three point one ERA. Um, but, you know, I, nobody really kind of jumped out at you as like that future, you know, stud prospect outside of Nicodolo who, you know, he he threw seven innings.
0: <laughs> yeah, that they were not they were nice seven innings, but yeah, seven innings nonetheless, a very small sample size. All right, so let's move from Daytona. We're going on down to the team that, as we're recording this, a little look behind the curtain, we're recording right now the Billings Mustangs are playing for their playoff lives in a game that's been postponed about 27 times. How are they looking right now at this moment, breaking news as you hear that you will already know what happens afterwards? Yes.
1: Well, right now they're tied at 2-2 in the bottom of the fifth inning of a do-or-die game. Uh, the winner moves on to the Pioneer League Championship Series. The loser gets to go home. Uh, so that's, that's that's fun. And you're right. They, this game started three days ago, and it is just now being completed in the middle of the afternoon
0: three days later.
1: Uh, thanks, Idaho, for it never stopping raining.
0: <laughs> and we are not talking about cricket. We're talking about baseball. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely the weather's fault. Billings, obviously with that being said, has been the best minor league team for the Reds this season. What has made them so good?
1: Well, I'm going to correct you there because the Dominican summer league Reds definitely were better. Okay. Um, right.
0: yeah.
1: Now uh, that said, uh, Billings, all the team stateside definitely was better than everyone else. Uh, they, they won the second half title clearly during the playoffs. We just talked about that. Um, What's been interesting with them is that, you know, they are pretty much the only team in the Pioneer League that plays in it, what we would consider, I mean, even remotely neutral as far as uh, hitters go. Um, it's, I mean, as far as the league goes, it's a very, very pitcher friendly ballpark, but that's because some of the other parks in the league are just absolutely hilarious um, for hitters. There, there are multiple fence. Uh, Distances that are under 285 feet within the league down the lines. Um, It's insane. Um, But they're really old stadiums, and I know one of them runs into train tracks, so you can't even make it further back, Um, which, (laughs) you know, I mean, you can. You could move the plate further back from – so I don't understand why they don't do that. But, I mean, yes, there's, there's one ballpark where it's 279 feet down the line. There's another one where it's 280 feet down the line. Like it's there. There are some really, really hitter-friendly ballparks in this league, um, and so you know when you've got if you're trying to compare Billings' hitters to some of the rest of the league, you kind of have to adjust for that. Um, you know, there wasn't anybody who really killed the ball, so to speak, um, for Billings this year. You know, you have Eric Yang who he led the team in OPS at eight forty-eight, and I mean for for the league, that's I mean it's above average, but I mean you know. In the past, we've seen guys for Billings have OPSs in the mid-900s to 1,000 range. So you know, they they don't really stand out as far as you know one individual player. I think that what made the Billings offense good this year is that they didn't have anybody that was bad. They had a bunch of guys that were kind of like average to a little bit above average. Um, their, their everyday lineup was solid all the way through. Nobody was kind of looked at as that guy who was going to be, quote-unquote, the game-changer. But... One through nine, everybody was good. Uh, there, there wasn't that weak spot in the lineup, so to speak. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that really helped them out. And then, you know, the, the pitching was pretty good, too. Um, you know, they, they got uh, Noah Davis, who came up about midway through the season for them. He, uh, he was a draft pick in 2018 who didn't play. Uh, the Reds drafted him after he had already had Tommy John surgery in March. Um, and so he was not ready to play last year at all. And he began this year rehabbing, and, um, you know, he posted a 2.10 ERA in his eight starts in the second half for Billings. That's that's going to help you out a lot. You know, Miguel Medrano was, um, uh, you know, one of the three pitchers named to the postseason all-star team. You know, he had a 3.13 ERA and 14 starts for them this year. Um, you know, the, the bullpen has been really good for them this year. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure that there's a ton of, like, you know, big future all-stars on the team. Um, I'm not sure there's really a ton of future big leaguers on the, the pitching staff. But for minor league guys, they were all pretty good this year.
0: So would you say that Yang is probably the best prospect? Uh, no.
1: Um, you know, I mean, if we're going to really play that game, I mean, it's got to be Nick Lodolo, who I mean, he made six starts, from, but he threw 11 in a third innings. Um, you know, <sighs> So the best prospect on this team is tough. Um, I mean, I'm looking at the list right now. I mean, uh, Tyler Callahan, who was the Reds third-round pick or second-round pick this year, but he played in five games. <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, that, and that's the thing is, I, I'm just not sure that they've got that that real standout prospect kind of guy. I mean, I guess I'd say Noah Davis among the guys that actually spent a real amount of time there. Um,
0: and that is down the line. So, yeah, I, I agree. It is hard to kind of see a guy and be like, okay, yeah, his future value is pretty high because he is sort of low in the system right now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, to be honest, I, I think that from from a pure prospect standpoint that this team is down this year compared to past years. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that there are more guys on this team that could reach double A than most of the other past years uh, as well. So it's interesting. I think that this team has more skilled players than past Mustangs teams have had, even if they don't have necessarily as many athletic guys as they've had in the past, if you understand what I'm saying. Like, these guys aren't as raw athletes, um, but they are better baseball players, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Definitely. Well, and and that'll lead us uh, down on to Greenville. They've got probably my favorite logo, at least of the organization. I love the Wishbone G. I don't know. That's just me. But um, Greenville, overall, the record wasn't super great. What stood out the most about the Greenville Reds?
1: Well, I'm going to correct you right now. That, That G is absolutely hideous. So, you don't like it? No. Oh my gosh. I don't love oh, it. I I can't stand it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah. You know, Greenville's the opposite of the Billings Mustangs. They have a lot of guys on that team who were very athletic and from a from a raw talent standpoint, they've got a lot of it. But a lot of these guys weren't skilled baseball players yet, um, and I, I think that there's a reason for that. Um, you know, we we were talking earlier in the week how the Reds. Eliminated one of their Dominican Summer League teams a couple of years ago when they got the Greenville Reds, and basically what that did was take the Arizona League Reds team and turn it into basically the, their second Dominican Summer League team, and basically it turned the Greenville Reds into the AZL Reds. Um, and so I, I think that we're still kind of seeing that catch up here, where a lot of these guys, if if they you could just put them in a time machine and put them back two years ago, this team would have been playing in the Arizona rookie league rather than the Greenville or uh, the, the Appalachian league. Um, and I, I think that that explains some of what's going on here. Um, you know, they, they didn't really have any standout offensive players. Um, they had a few guys that were, were, were good. Um, AJ Bumpus, former Cincinnati Bearcat and Alan Serta both had OPSs over 800 in the league. Um, but Nobody else with 100 plate appearances was over 742. Um, they had a team on base percentage of 295. Hard to score runs, you ain't getting on base, and they were not. They were not getting on base. Um, they had, as a team, a four to one strikeout to walk ratio, which goes back to what I was saying before. They have the guys that had a lot of raw talent, but they weren't skilled baseball players. Um, you know, they had two hitters on their team, just between these two of them. They combined for 13 walks, and let me do some quick math here, 154 strikeouts. Um, that's, <sighs> both of these guys have raw talent, but, you know, they had a 220 and a 295 on base percentage between the two of them, and they played almost every day. It's hard to score if that's going to be in your lineup.
0: Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, I, I've been happy to see that the Reds have given, uh, got AJ Bumpus, and I've definitely been keeping up with him, hoping that he continues to develop. But I know that he's kind of down the list as far as prospects are concerned.
1: Yeah, he is, and I, you know, AJ Bumpus is. I mean, I'm pretty sure he, yeah, he's he's twenty three years old now, so he'll be twenty four next at the end of next May. So, you know, time isn't exactly on his side. Um, as far as that goes, and you would ex- you you do expect someone of that age to perform fairly well at Greenville. Now, with that said, it's not like AJ Bumpus doesn't have tools. Um, you know, he's he can run. He's got legitimate power in his bat. Um, but I think that he's a guy who is going to have to make the most of his opportunities next year too, uh, because the age is going to be a factor. He's going to have to perform to move quickly. Um, and there's a chance for that too. It's it's not like he was some guy who was just drafted as a 23-year-old, to kind of fill out a roster. Um, you know, there, there, there are legitimate major league tools in his in his belt there. Um, now, whether he can turn those tools into skills is a different question, but at least they're there to work with. He, he's not just some guy that they filled or they drafted to fill out, you know, one of their outfield spots in Dayton, and that's kind of been, you know, their quote-unquote plan for him.
0: Well, that's going to end it for us here on the Wednesday edition. Tomorrow, we're wrapping up the 2019 minor league review we're taking a look at Arizona the Dominican Reds and then I've got a couple of questions regarding some rankings and things like that you're not going to want to miss it we're wrapping it up thank you so much for Doug for doing it this week as far as just taking a look at the minor leagues as a whole and we'll finish it up tomorrow
1: hey prime members